how are you getting on folks i'm joined by carl o'reilly here founder creator of probably one of the best named brands i've seen narcissips what's the crack called tell us a small bit about first of all the name and, and the overall brand how you get on thanks for having us uh yeah so i suppose it's a bit of a spider web of how it all came together uh, and i suppose first of all i thought this was going to be a three or four month thing i did not think i'd still be doing this three years on First of all, the name, Narcissips, um, probably through years of trying to figure myself out, I guess you've always had a bit of a love for psychology. Uh, and obviously then you're probably aware of narcissists or even introverts, extroverts, whatever. Um, so narcissist by definition is someone who has excessive admiration for themselves. And then kind of joking, uh, a few drinks in to be honest as well. And then the word Narcissips came up when we were talking about sustainability and this issue with straws and reusables. So it just kind of worked out that Narcissips and I was kind of in my head, and uh, geez, that has a bit of a ring to it. Um, so we kind of joked then about how that uh, went well with uh, the issues with coffee cups and single loose plastic bottles and even straws and whatnot as well. Um, and at the time, then I was in PwC doing accounting exams. I don't think my personality is too suited towards the accounting profession. Um, and I was predominantly working in banks at the time as well uh, in the consulting teams and that probably was a bit too uh, slow for me as well I guess so I wanted to get a bit of experience to add to the CV and get your get, get some real world experience I guess like you're doing all the exams and whatnot so you're like right well then I'll have something to back it up um, and then there's going to probably be a few tangents here going off and here going off this now at the moment but right. at the time I was uh, living with the granny there as well and she is someone who has great morals and probably that old school mentality of, you know, you look after your own, you look after your GA pitch, you look after your estate and whatnot as well. So I kind of had that paradox in my head of how growing up with her, she'd be out cleaning all the estates, doing all the rockeries, doing all the grass. So like, how can some woman, some person have so much pride in her local area? And she's always picking up coffee cups and plastic bottles that other people then obviously don't give a shit about. And they're littering and, and just have no care. So that paradox of people caring and then people having no care whatsoever, which then also fed back into the psychological element of why people think it's okay to litter or why people don't really bother with sustainability. So everything always, for me, fed back into habits, psychology, sustainability. Then it was the accounting background, I suppose. Uh, you always used to joke about uh, accountants looking after their money as well. Um, I done sustainability modules in Newton 2014 and the whole project there was about saving energy, saving emissions and saving money. So we kind of used to use to make jokes there about, look, you're doing your bit for the environment, but you're also saving your money as well. Um, so that was kind of another reason at the time when I was like, it, will I give it a go or not? And then the third thing was I was probably quite lucky to get grants to go to Minute first time round and then got a scholarship through the Masters. So you always kind of had that idea of, right, well, I got a bit lucky uh, to get my education. I uh, want to do something to give back the luck I got and give out a hand to others. So I was like, right, well, I was living with my granny at the time. I uh, had feck all savings. Uh, I was like, right, I'll do this for three or four months, buy 100 bottles get your friends and family doing something good for the environment. I'll get a bit of real world business experience and we'll give a bit to charity. Um, so it's first few months there cycling around Dublin because that's the whole uh, practice what you preach thing, cut your emissions and then also fed into uh, make like me, you met a lot of good people doing that as well. So we from the customer service point of view too. Um, and that was pretty much it then and it has rolled along and stumbled through a couple of years. But it was just, yeah, just to, 
get get the real world business experience, do a bit of good for you, the environment, what you believe in, and then uh, give a bit back to charity. So what what was the masters you did? Uh, I did management consulting in Smartfit and UCD. Right, and you went into accounting like that's a, it's a big change. We always why did you go into accounting? Was it I don't know job security uh, or was it something you're interested? In? Yeah, like, I'm not sure I never, like, I, 10 years ago, I'm sure I never even thought I'd be in college. I, at, at the time in school, I would have been, oh, I'd be a carpenter, I'd be into something like that. Uh, I never seen myself going to college at all. Uh, and then I initially went to do uh, theology, history and geography in Manouche, uh, thinking I'd just do the usual, play a bit of football and I'd teach religion during the week and whatnot. Uh, found out that wasn't for me. Um, although, I think I, I still enjoy religion to an extent. Now I learned about different religions and cultures and whatnot, but... Yeah, when you have to pay 70 euro for a study Bible, I kind of got me sense of a bit more. Um, and then I transferred, I, I was working in Super Value uh, through first year as well. And my manager there at the time was just like, here, you have a bit of a business brain on you, you're good with people. Uh, why wouldn't you do business? And was sure I never probably backed myself to an extent as well. Um, and then he kind of coerced me, I guess, to look into the business in Minute. Uh, but sure, I, I'd a bit, I probably had a great lead start as well. So I, I didn't have the points. Um, to get into business management and manure, but sure, probably I, I remember going through a couple of meetings and I was like, right, well, X, Y, Z. And they were like, right, well, if you go back repeat first year, uh, and if you get this score, we let you transfer into business management and uh, we'll open up a place for you. So I had to go back, done, done the four, almost four hours a week, so I was able to work full time in Super Value, uh, got the points and then transferred into business management and then kind of realized then that a lot of business is just common sense to an extent you go to people don't kill yourself and keep things as simple as possible um, and must be nice that you're now working in business and it's coupled with obviously something that you're passionate about yeah yeah um alec has had his ups and downs like i went full time there since july and it's definitely an emotional roller coaster uh see like when i started this it was just meant to be a hobby i had no uh and i still this is something i still struggle with like the pricing and trying to be profitable and trying to cover all your expenses and stuff like that as well. So I still fight with that. You want to give everyone the best price possible, but then that means you're limiting the growth of your company and you're limiting ads and paying for actual expertise and stuff like that as well. Um, so like two or three years ago, all I'd said was, right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep taking along. And then the end goal would be to take on someone, student, give them the experience I wish I got and have it just kind of running as a bit of the, the social enterprise, not to worry about... Uh, uh, salaries and profits and uh, and whatnot, but yeah, it's, it's been eye opening now. It's been eye opening. And was it twenty eighteen that I read that you started? Was it? Yeah, uh, it would have been February March when you start playing around with the idea. Probably took about took the guts of six seven months, then kicking yourself in the arse to mm. back yourself and going through different manufacturers and looking into what the bigger brands were doing and what I seen that they could have been doing better. Um, like a lot of the re- bigger brands out there, like they will focus on pushing consumerism and, and pushing to sell reusables. Whereas for me, the big piece that was missing was that behavioral side of things, that psychology side of things, that awareness side of things, because you could buy a reusable off me tomorrow and you might in fact use the thing. But in my mind then, if, you're, if someone did buy a reusable and they're also given the education, they're more likely to build these new habits or build these new behaviors into their lives as well. So. It was just all these little ideas that I felt suited my mind and or what I felt was interesting. And I just started throwing it out there. Um, and I, like, it's all from the usual books that we all take and read and whatnot as well. But 
uh, yeah, it's just people, people got, people kind of responded quite well to the, the, the basic logic, I guess, of it. And it's obviously short after COVID hit, like how was that when you practically just started a business and within probably 18 months of it proper up and running, COVID hit, did that, did that affect sales or growth positively or negatively? Because sometimes these businesses, particular businesses, especially online businesses, it, they, some of them boom, but uh, how did it affect you? Uh, I think I'm one of the lucky ones now. Um, like I, I, so I, I, I just finished my exams, so you're getting your life back in terms of having a time in the evenings. You weren't going to second lectures on a Tuesday, Thursday, or a Saturday morning. And then uh, I had moved out into East Wall, so it was a five-minute walk to the office when I did have to go in, or I was then saving the hour on avoiding the hour red line uh, every single morning and every evening in and out from town to Calais. So I was, for me, I was getting two hours extra a day to do whatever you wanted to go for a run or do a bit on the business or whatever. Um, so I, I definitely, and I was five minutes to the sea there as well. So I think I'll take the positives from working out of COVID and now lucky enough to didn't hit my family around that too bad on myself. Um, and then things are going quite well with PwC as well. So I'll take that. Um, I suppose looking back, you made the most of it in terms of social media and whatnot now, but I think the only, like, the only thing that's ever held me back with, with the business was probably treating it like a business. I probably spent way too long treating it as a hobby and treating it as something that was just uh, a learning experience, I guess. And we talked about how you're obviously very passionate about it. Would that, would your grandmother's influence be the main, like your main influence around sustainability or is there anything else or any other particular moment or is it just in general that you know that's something that you like to pursue yeah it's something i'll definitely continue to pursue um i don't know whether it'll be like i, I think nasus would be hopefully running itself and quite a lot of things spent since i went full time being kind of automated to an extent or outsourced with warehouse down galway which saved me a hell of a lot of time i would be like you're spending two hours and even packing bottles and cups which is no good when you're trying to grow something so um, I think it's in a good place now at the moment to keep going. At, I, at the moment now, I don't know where I end up. But we recently went for a B Corp status, which means that like if you're uh, one of the leaders in certifying businesses, you're actually trying to do well. Um, I'm actually trying to prove that you're doing well in terms of actually tracking how you're living as an individual and how you're running your company in terms of emissions, water, waste, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So hopefully to get approved for that, we have um, a couple of courses then in terms of car like carbon certification or B Corp leaders where you will actually be someone who can act as a consultant and advise people on how to be more sustainable individually or with their companies. Uh, so I, I, I can see myself going down that route uh, back in towards the consultant side of things now. Um, but, sorry, I'm going off my tangent there. No, no I guess the, one, of the, one, of the other, one of the other big issues was I'd probably, they'd probably, I'd probably be quite empathetic uh, and you'll see side of things people in ireland will always be ranting about how bad x y and z is but i probably always had a bit of a i don't know whether it's effective perspective or a good perspective but it's after look it could be worse and i suppose that's where the philanthropic side of the business kind of comes through or the social enterprise where it's like right well there was a stage there when i was in pwc and i could have been spending 20 euro on coffee a week uh but that same 20 euro then from doing your research you realize we give a family clean water for a month so they were always the things that were in the back of my mind. Um, and then even in terms of how the climate change crap is going now at the moment, like everyone's talking about EV heats or you know, heat and pumps or how energy efficient your home is. But then in my mind, like sustainability is 
we're going to be the last ones to be impacted, but as usual, we're the first ones to be helping ourselves. And there's a hell of a lot of people across the world still struggling with the basics. So I, th- I think I always probably had that mindset of trying to help others or uh, you know, give a hand to other people who probably aren't as well off. Great mindset to have. Sure. Um, I always say it, <clears throat> especially with uh, people like, let's say, previous guests where they have like Instagram pages include, you know, someone that coaches GA and other people that does fantasy football, random people. But I always ask, like, is there pressure or do you feel internal pressure to now be unbelievably sustainable in your life? Do you feel, I suppose one of the things is, how do we get away from the guilt of not recycling? Do you feel like you should be recycling and be sustainable a hundred percent of your life. Like it's it's nearly impossible, but obviously we'll try as much as possible. Um, but do you feel pressure then now to to be sustainable in your own life? <laughs> no, uh, and I uh, very early on, I think I was. I've always took the approach on social media that I am a very imperfect person, and I'm not going to try and be anything else. I try and do what I can, and that's hopefully what gets out across social media like sustainability is extremely complex and too many people try to simplify it but for me it just went back to the basics of right well reusable is the first small change i can make what else can i do after that so it's building on small habits and you're looking into compost and even like for me i used to I joke with this on social media but it's actually true like i, I sold my car i was cycling around dublin burning the love handles as i used to joke about and say, and say keep making me a bit of the trimmer but it was also environmentally friendly and I was getting around Dublin quicker as well. So I was saving myself a headache not being in the car, but that's more sustainable. Uh, or walking to the shops every day rather than doing your weekly shop. But because that way, I probably have a bit of an addiction to chocolate, I'd say, at this stage. But if I was going to the shop every day, I'd buy what I need, which meant less food waste. Food waste is about 8 to 10% of our overall carbon emissions per, per person. So just by doing them small little things, um, and that's all I can do like I don't I don't believe in well like the whole kind of anxiety thing or guilt and that like I don't I personally don't believe that or get that like all I can do is what I can uh, I can try and help other people learn um, but no one's perfect and like I, I had a couple of, couple of posts there about um, you have someone who's vegan but they might drive a big fucking pickup truck or they might drive a car but you can have someone who eats a steak like me but I cycle absolutely everywhere the books will always balance 100% and I think that's important for two things there I think it's very important for people to know one is that I think one of the biggest obstacles around climate change is how large it seems to people and what you do and what you're talking about there is making it very manageable you know okay we can we can't as a one person solve it but you can do very small things that will add up to big things like you're talking about there the same way oh the meat sorry so i teach egg science and i i I always describe to students how and i'm not you know shitting on anyone here and saying oh vegan's good and this is bad because you know there's pros and cons to everything but we a lot of the time we have the you know the idea that vegan good and good for the environment but same time you could get you could be getting food shipped over from South America and that's the only food you eat. Whereas you said you're eating locally sourced food. And then when I go on this rant in Ag Science about good and bad, and they always ask, well, so how do we do it, sir? Like, what do you want us to do? 
And I always say the same thing. If you have locally sourced in-season food, you know, that's going to be probably one of the big biggest offset. If you're having these foods from all over the world, all the time, off-season, your carbon emissions, as you said, even if you cycle around the place, are going to be massive. But at the same time, there's this moral dilemma, and I think that's kind of what we're talking about there when we talk about, um, you know, the anxiety around it. There's a moral dilemma where, you know, um, you have to, like, I love jalapenos, and unfortunately, I like sustainability, and that's why I love having to, you know, having the own podcast where you can have whatever you want on, and now I can have someone that's about, uh, you know, promoting sustainability on, but at the same time, I know I'm going to still eat jalapenos. So I can beat myself up that I'm just, I'm going to have jalapenos and now I'm a bad person. I think that's what people think too much about. And then we have the idea, well, sure, if I'm having jalapenos and I'm getting, using loads of carbon emissions from South America, well, sure, I might as well just do it with everything else. And I think that's where people fall down. They think, well, I'm doing so little and I can do so little, I might as well do nothing at all. So the device you're given there is perfect, where she, you can do what you can, and that's it. Because I thought you'd be, I thought I'd be under the pressure where, like, obviously you've a sustainable company, and you know you're promotion pushing sustainability that you know you'd be super super sustainable, but you can only do so much, like. Yeah, like. Okay, well, obviously I have to, in, in terms of me as an individual, I can only do what I can. In terms of running the company, I have to be strict with that, uh, especially going for a big corp. Like, I have to track every single, or when I am track. I don't have to, I am tracking every single order, where it comes from, and trying to change strategies the past year or two in terms of how the bottles get from A to B. Uh, so primarily the past year has been trying to get new shipping methods, uh, moving from air to sea or uh, train. That reduces emissions by about 60-70% for every single order. Um, so it's small things like that that are going to be made a hell of a lot easier over the next few years. Um, and say for the next the next year, maybe one of the things I'm going to have to look into is a reclaiming scheme. If anyone has any issues that are usable, I need to start taking them back and have, have that as an option rather than people are having them lying around or whatever. But, um, so you have to be, yeah, you be 100% transparent in, in your business. But I'd like to be, yeah. Um, but especially, especially if we're going, going to go down the consultative side of things as well and it was trying to be as fully around it as possible. So for me at the moment, like I know I can go back down the accounting route or the consulting route with a firm or whatever. So I can I can continue to treat this as sort of hobby to get as much experience and as much insight as possible and learn about everything from shipping to materials to uh, the false claims that were cited and that people have well led to believe over the past 20, 30 years and whatnot as well. But I think what you were saying there, like it's it. I've seen this on social media for the first two or three years when I get into it as well. And everyone was trying to turn it into a bit of a religion where, like, you, there is that element of guilt or whatever. But, like, I, I, again, maybe I just simplify things to suit my own brain. But, like, I go back to football team, you have a goalkeeper who's good at kicking out a ball and saving shots. You have a midfielder who can run all day. That's the way you should be treating sustainability. No one can do everything, but you can do your expertise. Like, a single mother can't do what. Or a single mother can't do what a single man with no kids can do. So once you're once you're looking after your own patch, I guess for me that's uh, I'd be ha- I'd be happy with that now. Yeah, I I think I'd like to think uh, a lot more people are becoming concerned with sustainability and and climate change. 
But at the same time, we always have, unfortunately, and it sounds, you know, very kind of conspiracy theorists, uh, like trying to paint climate activists with a brush where, you know, if you like to recycle, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's a bit extreme, but like, oh, he's a hippie type job. And, and we see now these um, climate activists and unfortunately they're probably doing a, a bit more negative than positive. You know, the ones that are like destroying art and gluing themselves to the road. Like the message they're trying to actually get out there is positive. But the way they're doing it and the way people are perceiving it and the way media are perceiving it, they're making them out to be the villains. And so people then are saying, oh, should then feckin' Egypt. Now, then they're going away even further from sustainability. So it's a battle. It's always this battle mm-hmm. between like good and bad and sustainable and not sustainable. And I think a lot of the old generation, like one or two comments I heard people say, like, you know, I remember Tap was running in the house before and um, now it was for a good reason. It was because it was about to freeze. And I was like, oh, it was like nearly running full blast. And I said, it, it'll, it, it'll still not freeze if it's just if it's going slowly. And someone said, my old fella said, oh, I'll, I'll call him out. He's like, sure, there's companies and people doing way worse than we are. It's only a bit of water. And I suppose if you have that mentality all the time, nothing ever seems sufficient, you know, when you think about companies. But it's great to hear that, you know, they have these incentives, incentives for companies because the larger, it's, it is the larger corporations that's really uh, bringing the demise, really. Yeah, they I've always found that quite interesting and that that goes back to the psychology piece there as well about how do you motivate people or bring them along and that's like for me that's you have to give hope you have to give optimism and that way people will actually more likely to follow your mission rather than pointing the finger or wagging the finger or that it was only in the news last week that uh, a couple who had glued their hands to um, was they'd either painted over a famous painting or they glued their hands to it and they were meant to go to court, but instead of going to court, they flew to Bali. So you're like, how much do you really care there? Like, like where are oh you so yeah. that to me, to me, that's just virtue signaling. Like, it's just it, it infuriates me to be honest. Now, um, yeah, yeah, it's that's a bit ridiculous. See, that's when people, then people that are looking for an excuse, see that and they say, look, sure, they don't even care. It's all a farce and they have their excuse then and then they don't feel guilty about doing whatever they're doing. But I think most of the people, and this is the problem, um, in my opinion, most people that have absolutely no awareness, and I suppose this is what I'm trying to say, they have no awareness. People that don't care about sustainability and environmental, they either have no awareness or their brain is totally switched off to it. Um and, and they're not concerned. So when they're throwing a coffee cup or they're not recycling, they're whatever they're doing, it, they're not even making that conscious decision. And I think the most important thing is getting people thinking about it and not, as you said, not force them and saying, you have to do this, this and this, but just positive light that it, it comes into their psychology a small bit more. I, I uh, was working up in a school in Dublin and we, I forget this woman's name now, but we got her in to do a, a workshop about plastics and how the majority of them are still in landfill and they're not like recycling doesn't really help them. And like the goal, as she said to me, is not to get every student out of the classroom and being like, right, I'm now going to recycle every bit. It's just getting in the consciousness that they're thinking about it slightly so that when they see you do something, 
that they're not even that they change their habit, they just think about changing the habit and eventually that might then feed into them actually making um conscious decisions. Yeah, no, the, the hierarchy, the hierarchy in general is to uh, avoid or refuse first, recycling and second or third down the hierarchy, that wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, the, the recycling thing, like you're talking 7% of plastics worldwide are recycled every single year. And then they can only be recycled two or three times before um, they're completely made useless, useless and end up in landfill. This is probably one of the issues I have with clothes being made from plastics now at the moment. Um, and marketing probably was taking advantage of something for a couple of years there. Um, but yeah, avoiding plastics is obviously the best. But look, like this, this is the angle I want sometimes want to take as well. Like, like without plastics, we wouldn't have probably a lot of good things in life that we do have now at the moment. And there's still arguments. People say no, no plastic on food. But if you take plastic off food, then that means more food waste. So you're kind of biting your nose to spite your face there to an extent as well. And obviously down the line, there'll be bioplastics or there'll be new ways of managing food waste or keeping food fresh for longer. But you can't do without it uh, for the past few years to some extent as well, but obviously avoiding as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're, you're bad there. I, I find the old school mentality quite funny. And like that's another thing. Like, he, like he's probably the old school. And I, I would have heard from all the generations as well that like sure Ireland is less than less than 1% of overall global emissions. So if everyone in Ireland went foraging and living in the woods, wouldn't be, a, <laughs> wouldn't be too much of an, an issue solved there as well. But obviously there's the moral obligations to just doing your best. And that's it. I think that's a lot to do with morals. It, it, it is kind of an internal struggle. And some days, like, I'm not the same way. I'm not perfect. I like to think I care about it. and But then sometimes you're like, Jesus, I just, like, did this thing or didn't do this when I could have and you know do I actually care but you're just kind of it's kind of like a diet or a gym session if if you do something you can't just beat yourself up and just give in altogether you just have to get back on on the bike and go again and um, but at the same time I'm talking about uh you know being able to recycle and a lot of people would claim that you know being able to recycle and and as I said, and I, I said to my students about, you know, locally sourced food and stuff like that. And they're saying, well, that's ex- more expensive. Do you think that um, recycling and be sustainable is a bit of a privilege? I think recycling is a big privilege. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd say, I think a lot, a lot of sustainability is a privilege. Like I, I've been pantsing about reusables for a few years and then I go abroad on a holiday and then I'm told I can't drink water from the tap. So even choosing reusables is a privilege uh, in Ireland. So that's like kind of one thing where you're like, I can actually walk three foot to my tap and drink from the water. Whereas in Bali last year, and I touched the water and was a few kilos lighter by the end of the week. Like, <laughs> um, so the, the whole the whole thing is a privilege. But recycling, um, yeah, for sure, it's it's definitely a privilege. And then for the majority of recycling that isn't done, like still ends ends up its way into landfill or goes back to the social issues then of up until mid-2018 we were shipping out what wasn't getting recycled and incinerated to foreign nations. And then what were they doing? Only uh, incinerating it themselves illegally, or not illegally, but unsustainably. And then they're fucking up their own health with bad air pollution and they're in Indonesia or in India or wherever 
and uh, then that's obviously your health issues then as well. Mm, so it's it's a vicious cycle, like that. They're cycling, they're cycling will only get better. Like a big big win there last year with soft plastics and whatnot as well. Like, um, so it would only it would only improve. With the help of God, yeah, because yeah, it is overwhelming at time. Like I remember, you have to switch off at the same time as well. Like as I said, some people need to switch on about it, but some people need to switch off as well. I remember after I had that uh, workshop, because I sit in in, in on the workshops and, you know, I'm like a student sometimes. I learned more as a teacher than I did as a student when I'm in these workshops. And <laughs> and I came out of it. I came out of it like I expected she wanted the students come out of it. I'm like, nah, like I'm, I'm never even plastic again. And I'm fucking, I, I, like I'm never buying clothes from Sheen again. And this I'm just going to change my life around. And then I like went into the shop, went shopping that evening and, it was like I just all I saw was plastic around me, and like I was just like, like shopping there, and like look, this is plastic. What's the point of doing any of this? It's all plastic. So sometimes you gotta switch off at the same time and just accept that, as you said, over time we will find new ways and better ways to to be sustainable and to make it to mo- make it more accessible for everyone because. Um, I don't know. I like I like the way that your Instagram is set up in terms of the the content and the posts. You know, it's not over complicated stuff. It's very basic titles and and very manageable and do uh, doable stuff. And if you only took one thing from it, you know, um, whether it's about a website or something, um, you know, which websites are are sustainable, which aren't. I know. I think there's a thing online now where you can literally look up whatever it is and it will tell you like a rating of how sustainable or not like let's say clothes you know common one um how sustainable how not sustainable it's so like that's something simple someone can do that might sway them from one thing to another and we're talking about these big companies and they're the ones that decide it well we can kind of just choose and pick which companies grow and which ones get better yeah like that that's, it does come down to choices um but like one thing that you're in the past a while as well and it probably goes back to marketing but like everything seems to be going towards you you, you buy yourself you, you buy you can you consume your solutions you buy this these clothes made from recycled bottles or you buy x y or z or whatever but like sometimes doing nothing is probably more beneficial but yeah like it's a small thing so i think you kind of vaguely touched on it earlier on about um people being so afraid of the issue i uh, there was a newsletter for chartered accountants a couple of years ago and they actually said the same thing it was like 60 or 70 percent of chartered accountants within the network felt that the area of sustainability was so big that they couldn't do anything didn't know where to start i wrote the next newsletter and i was like why can't you just change that your perspective on that and say because the area is so big i can do absolutely anything mm. like your, your 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 emails make a difference like like you're saying they have a website like my email inbox if i have a thousand emails sitting in my inbox it has to be stored in a server somewhere that's taking up energy. Um, even deleting your email is going to make that little bit of a difference there. Um, in terms of the websites there, I actually I haven't been onto any of them. One that will tell you about brands, but even like the basic carbon footprint ones, paw print is a, is a very good one for assessing your own life. Um, paw print, is it? Paw print, yeah, very good. That's what, that's what I use now when it kind of gives it. And what, you kind of put in details about your life and it'll kind of spit out your overall rating or something like that, is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's the same as everything. Everyone's lives is really assessed over your, how you commute, uh, what you eat, and then your energy and waste at home pretty much. 
Um, and then you'll have others, which will be your, say, your digital carbon footprint. Like, do you have Netflix? Do you have Amazon and whatnot? Uh, do you switch off your lights at the wall at night? So it's just, just all the basic things. But um, yeah, I guess one of the better apps I've found now as well. Yeah, so I definitely recommend that now. Yeah, Jesus, it's a very good one. Yeah, I'll definitely. But sometimes, at the same time, I'm on about it all the time. People probably won't want to put it in because they don't want to get the answer. You know, ignorance is bliss type thing. But I suppose if, if you have, that's a good way of putting it, perspective. If you have, let's say, I don't know how to describe it, like a, a you know, a heavy, a heavy use of, I don't know, or you're not sustainable, whatever way it comes out, you have more to work on there. Like, and, like, I would have never, ever thought, when you were describing emails there, I thought, like, oh, yeah, well, if he's using emails, he's not using letters and not using physical paper. But, like, you never think about how e- physical emails are taking up space somewhere, like. That's, yeah, yes, it's incredible. Uh, that's hard yeah, to believe. My, my, my eyes have definitely been open the past few years, and, and even things you thought were good when you actually look into a few studies and a few... Uh, it's advice from the actual experts. Like, like, uh, like, I, I'm pretty much doing this out of my own interest. Like, I'm not an expert. I just read a lot of old materials and books and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, it's it's crazy when you see certain things being shown as sustainable, and they're actually not. Like, the greenwashing thing is not does not seem to be going away. Um, and people definitely seem to be taking advantage of. It's like one one of my fears is that like by 2030, by the time it comes around, everyone will have rushed. Uh, all these fake solutions and then we realize we've actually made the problem worse yeah. rather than kind of taking just a, a bit of a slower and more rational approach whereas like let's just put ourselves back here a little bit do what we can and um, like for me like I, I, a lot of it goes down to my own personality like i remember when i was younger you would have put too much feck in a motion and oh i must have this new jersey or this new talk or whatever and that was just me kind of just being a stupid kid putting your self-worth and what you're wearing um, which meant fast fashion and new clothes the whole time. And then you grow up and you get a bit more confidence in yourself. And you're kind of like, right, well, like I, I wear the same type of black t-shirt. Well, the same type of black t-shirt every day. Like I never, never venture too much now. But I suppose it's small things like that growing up and getting a bit more perspective in the world and confidence in yourself kind of makes it easier to not fall on foul or fall into some of these marketing or consumerism traps. It's very hard for young people, though, isn't it? It, it? That's one of the biggest uh, things that that woman talked about as well. It's fast fashion. And it's just, it's easy for us to say that to young people. But, you know, we, we were showing them different um, vintage sites. And a lot of it is marketing. So if if companies did market, you know, vintage is now the new cool thing, which it is when you get a small bit older. But let's say 15, 16, 17, that's the prime time where they're going to, you know, the parents and saying, I need this. I need these new boots. I need whatever, and it puts an awful lot of pressure financially on on parents and yeah. also on the environment. You know, tremendous. But then, sure, everyone's probably struggling with the money and whatnot. So you see something like Shane, and you're taking advantage of it. So there's there's cultural and social issues there. But one thing I found very worrying about Shane is uh, the founder is uh, an SEO expert, so he is fully aware of how to tap into kids via apps and take advantage. He is literally made to take advantage through a search engine optimization there. Like, so I found that quite scary. And even when I, I put a post about Sheen there a couple of months ago, and then I started getting all these fake links and discount codes for Sheen and everything as well. Like, so they, whatever whatever he's doing in terms of SEO, I wish I had half a skill of now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd be a rich man. 
Yeah, it's not easy. And the, as we talked about, the problem seems so big, but the best way, as you described, is start small. Uh, finish off, Carl. Have you any... I know you talked about kind of your own plans to the business. Is there any kind of new products or, or are we sticking with the the um, the bottles and the cups? Yeah, I, I just sticking with the bottles. I, they're, they're my grow more and I think there's something that I stand by to the day I die. I don't want to, uh, I like, a thought, like the, I, I, I try to think about going down the, the route of clothes or sustainable clothes and whatnot as well, but it's tricky. Don't know enough about it at the moment. Supply chains are still horrendous. Uh, there's still no, um, there's still not really much consensus on what is the best materials out there. Like, I got you like so someone saying like, oh, uh, organic cotton is twenty percent better than normal cotton, but that's still pretty bad when you actually look at the water usage and what goes in behind the scales as well. So I, I kind of joke like that's like me saying, oh, last Saturday I only had twenty points, uh, on the Sunday I only had fifteen points. Yeah, they're both still horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, stick stick with coffee. Stick to what you're good at. But you're doing a fantastic job. As I said, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on and I'm delighted that I can pick and choose people that I like to promote and hopefully someone gets something out of this. So uh, thanks a million for coming on, bud. Gentlemen, thanks a million, Carl. Thank you. Cheers. All the best.